As two more shells shrieked down, the men scattered. Flinging himself into a pigsty, Galloway pressed his trembling body against the filthy hide of a huge squealing sow. Captain Ted Maxted ran towards the beckoning safety of an open door belonging to the house struck by the opening round. Just as he reached the door, however, an Italian peasant inside slammed it in the officer's face. No other cover available, Maxted jumped into a ditch. The other officers had meanwhile wormed their way into a small cave. The Germans pounded the hill for six minutes with what Galloway estimated must have been seventy-five shells. If the Germans had this forming-up position so well registered that they didn't hesitate to waste that much ammunition on five officers, Galloway realized a deluge of explosives and shrapnel would greet the regiment's arrival here. He raced back in the jeep to 1st Canadian Infantry Brigade headquarters and warned Commander Brigadier Alan Calder of the danger. Calder said it was too late to dramatically shift the regiment's forming-up position. All he could do was give the RCR a slightly wider front line so that it could disperse the rifle companies farther afield to take advantage of available cover inside the farm buildings. Being almost all built of stone, these could withstand some battering by artillery. On the night of August 23, 1st Canadian Infantry Division's headquarters arrived at its planned forward position to find the area likewise subject to random artillery and mortar fire. Everyone was so exhausted by the move, however, the divisional war diarist wrote, that we nevertheless go to sleep and the night is relatively quiet. In the morning, the headquarters staff discovered itself on the side of an easy sloping hill. The fighting front moves with us, so we are still some five miles from our forward defense lines. However, though a multitude of trees offer good cover, this piece of ground is under enemy observation. Movement on routes must be kept at a minimum, no queuing is allowed for meals, slit trenches must be dug under trees, and even latrines have to be camouflaged. Reconnaissance parties from many of the division's regiments received equally rough treatment from German artillery as they scouted their new forward positions. As a patrol from 3rd Field Regiment, Royal Canadian Artillery was descending a long hill towards its assembly position, the men belatedly realized their jeep was fully exposed to anyone on the opposite side of the Metauro. Lieutenant D.W. Shute jumped from the jeep and started guiding the driver into a sheltered position between two buildings only seconds before a salvo of shells crashed down. The officer was killed. Lefty, as he was known in the regiment, had been an immensely popular veteran who had served with 3rd Field Regiment since 1942. Imperturbable and cheerful in action or out, the regiment's war diarist declared, he was the friend of all and a competent officer. It is hard to think of B Troop without him. Another artillery unit, 5th Canadian Armored Division's 17th Field Regiment, was plagued by tragedy from the moment it arrived on the Adriatic Front. On August 19th, its commander, Lieutenant Colonel R.W. Armstrong, was seriously injured when his jeep overturned. He died four hours after the accident. On August 21st, four officers suffering from either jaundice or malaria were hospitalized. The regiment will go into action short of officers unless reinforcements arrive very soon, the regiment's war diarist lamented. The following day, Lieutenant G.W. Cass Garnett was killed trying to clear a mine blocking a road scheduled for use during the August 25th attack. Noted the war diarist, Cass was not only a willing warhorse, but did his job with a cheerfulness and efficiency you enjoy in a person. His memory will live on in this regiment not only because he was a soldier, but also a man who knew men and loved to work with them and for them.